singing of the, or the reading of the gospel lesson. See? The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go. And call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is, is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Our salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. For God seeks such as these to worship God. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Well, just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, come and see a man who told every, me everything I've ever done. 
cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of God who sent me and to complete God's work. Do not say four months more and then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> I remember in my, uh, my senior year in high school, uh, in the spring, we were staring into the face of the future, graduation on the near horizon, which as I said last week was a pretty anxiety-producing eventuality. So a bunch of us decided one particular Friday night to uh, pitch tents on the front lawn of the high school and, you know, camp out. I don't know, I mean, there were probably 40 of us doing whatever goofy things that 18-year-olds do when they get a little taste of freedom mixed with a dash of rebellion. My brother and his friends, who were all sophomores at the time, thought they'd have a little fun at our expense. So, unbeknownst to us, 10 or 11 of them went around behind the high school, climbed up, and they got on the roof. They brought along a bunch of water balloons and what we called a funnelator which consisted of two bicycle tire inner tubes tied together on either side of a giant funnel. Now, you'd put a water balloon in the funnel and you'd have two guys hold each end and one strong guy pull back. And the water balloons would fly. So it's like a really big slingshot, right? If you're strong enough, you could stretch that thing a long way and it'd shoot a water balloon pretty fair distance. So my brother and his friends were getting ready to rain on our little parade, so to speak. And just as they were getting ready to let loose, a police car showed up behind the school and flashed its lights. Now to this day, I do not know why they didn't run. I mean, surely, they'd all just split up. Most of them could have gotten away without ever getting caught, but they dropped the funnelator and they stood on the roof's edge looking down like, like, like sheep peering into some great chasm. 
Officer Colvin rounded them all up and took them to jail. Yeah, jail. I know, right? Which is pretty much the response when my dad got a phone call from the Granville Police Department telling him that he could come down to the station to bail out his 16-year-old future minister son. So my dad got in his car, but instead of going down straight to the police station, he came to the high school and picked me up. Now, I was surprised to see him, since I didn't have any idea that my brother and his friends had even been at the high school, much less been arrested on aggravated water balloon charges. Now, I'm not sure why he thought I should be there for the shaming of my juvenile delinquent little brother. On the other hand, maybe he was trying to make a point with me to, to, to think seriously about my future and the possible harm I could do to it if I ever got off the straight and narrow and started you know, hanging out with people of questionable character, embracing membership in some kind of rogue water balloon gang roaming the mean streets of Granville, Michigan. Uh, take a look. This is where messing around with bicycle inner tubes and funnels ultimately leads. Or, or maybe he was trying to make a point for my brother Darren. See, even your idiot big brother, who's never really demonstrated a great deal of good sense, even he knows better than this. I mean, we had all of our hopes pinned on you. And now this, your mother and I are just so terribly disappointed. Or maybe he just thought that the Penwell family had experienced enough excitement for one night and all he wanted to, to do was to get everybody back under the same roof so he could go to bed in peace. Well, we bailed him out, saving him from a frightful stretch of hard time in the big house. And we took him home. But our family still bears the social stigma of harboring a water balloon terrorist among our ranks. It's tough growing up, isn't it? Doing, saying things that mm, probably aren't the wisest choices. And one of the most important things about growing up is learning how to make good choices, isn't it? According to modern neuroscience, we now know that the area of the brain that handles executive function, things like planning, organization, mood modulation, judgment, knowing not to get up on roofs and shoot water balloons at people. This area of the brain is undergoing significant change in adolescence as it develops. That little person in our heads that, you know, the, the, the wrinkled fuss budget who always seems to be throat clearing and ahemming in an attempt to point out that, you know, maybe becoming a water balloon terrorist is a dead-end road that will lead you to a life spent in the captivating of guy, the company of guys with face tattoos and names like Mouse and Icebox. So often, making good choices is precisely what teenagers are incapable of doing. I mean, it's just the way things are. Sleeping into afternoon, mood swings, Haircuts that their kids will mock them about in 20 years. I mean, it's just the way they're built. See, part of how we define adulthood, in fact, is reaching that point in life where the prefrontal cortex finally crosses the threshold where making good choices is the norm and not just an occasional lucky occurrence. 
So you'd think that Jesus, now in his 30s in our text, would be better at it than apparently he is. People have undoubtedly told him his whole life whom he's supposed to hang out with and whom he's supposed to avoid, but he's just not very adept at making good choices. I mean, look at our gospel for today. First bad choice. Jesus takes a shortcut through Samaria on his way back to Galilee. He knew better than this. Samaritans aren't the kind of people Jesus was raised to fraternize with. It's common knowledge. Everybody knows that. Samaritans are the distant cousins that nobody brings up at the family reunions. The ones who watch the wrong cable news channel, they go to the wrong church, vote for the wrong party in every election. Uh, I see you've got them too. <laughs> the Samaritans had been written out of the will a long time ago because of their boorish behavior. So if one of them should happen by the house, you're not supposed to let them in. In fact, God forbid you do let them in, you better keep your eye on the silverware. But Jesus is bad, bad at following directions. So he detours into Samaria. Second bad choice. He starts a conversation with a woman at a well. I mean, this is before Gloria Steinem or the Me Too movement, okay? So he knows better than to enter into social interactions with women who are not family members, especially in public. Women, like children, were supposed to be seen and not heard in the ancient Near East. There's not a lot of gray area on this one. No long discussions necessary to interpret the circumstances. It's easy. You just, you know, with very few exceptions, just stay in the house and, and, and mind the chores. That was, that was the expectation. So to recap, Jesus has not only taken a shortcut through the wrong side of town, he's struck up a conversation with a woman, which is expressly forbidden in his culture by the general rules of good etiquette. But as if to pour salted lime juice on the festering social scab, she's not only a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. I mean, come on, man. And look at how the disciples respond. The text says they were astonished. He was speaking to a woman. I, I, I bet astonished is a kind way of saying it. They were mortified, outraged. Reflexively, they started looking around, seeing if anybody else had a phone out, chronicling this social fiasco on YouTube. Maybe Officer Colvin was lurking about after successfully rounding up another mob of water balloon miscreants and sh shooting each other furious glances. They're muttering under their breath, man, you literally cannot take this guy anywhere. This is about making good choices. Jesus, according to apparently the consensus, seems incapable of doing just that making good choices. Now, let me pause for just a moment here to, to make another comment about this story. <laughs> just what you were hoping I'd do, right? Offer some more commentary. Now, if you read actual commentators, the temptation uh, is that a traditional interpretation of this uh, passage suggests that this woman is kind of a loose woman, 
right? Right? Jesus says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband at the moment. And Jesus says, well, that's true. You don't have a husband. Turns out you've had five husbands, and at the moment you happen to be living with another guy. Now, to, this, to, to, to many commentators, this woman's supposed immorality is the final piece of the puzzle proving what a horrible human being she is. A Samaritan woman with questionable morals. Loose. You know, all the colorful names we've dreamed up to feel superior to women who've had that much problem. And playing up her immorality really is, is supposed to make Jesus look even more super heroically merciful than he already is, but just by talking to her. I mean, people say, look, look at the, the nice Jesus man being all forgiving of that shameless woman, right? What an amazingly compassionate guy. And he's going out, and he's going to need it in this evil world. Well, not for me, of course, but, I mean, there's a lot of bad people around, and, you know, there, there are plenty enough Officer Colvins to boot. But you see, the thing of it is, if you look closely, her morality never comes into the story at all. At least not through Jesus. Notice, Jesus doesn't scold her, doesn't call her out as a serial monogamist, doesn't say, go and sin no more. Traditionally, people have assumed that this woman has had so many husbands because she's got a kind of a wandering eye, right? That somehow it's her fault. She's brought this situation on herself, making all these bad choices herself. What if the fact that this woman has had five husbands and at least one steady boyfriend has nothing to do with her moral deficiencies? What if it's the husbands who've all been deadbeats and lechers? Generally speaking, divorce in that culture was no fault for men and all fault for women, right? Now, or she could be, have been widowed, right? And she has to find somebody. Otherwise, she's got nothing. Now, it doesn't make her a more acceptable conversation partner for Jesus, at least from a, the standpoint of social etiquette, but it certainly helps us to see Jesus' choice to speak with her in a different light, doesn't it? I mean, if the husband thing isn't her fault, then Jesus isn't just taking pity on a poor sinner. Instead, his decision to engage with this woman sets the tone for just the kind of people that the reign of God is meant to look out for. Even if, to most folks' way of thinking, it continues Jesus' string of bad choices. He's willing to take that. In order to help. Think about it. Jesus goes to a place that no respectable Jew is supposed to go to talk to a Samaritan woman to whom no respectable Jew is supposed to even talk. And this isn't just any unsavory Samaritan woman either. No, she's at the very bottom of the social heap. A Samaritan woman whose domestic life has been epically, unthinkably, impossibly unstable. Maybe not even her fault. Probably not her fault. 
John wants us to know that she's the first century Guinness Book of World Record holder for powerlessness. Status doesn't get any worse than this woman standing at the well. Jesus, incapable of making good choices, goes out of his way to have an encounter with the last person on earth he should be talking to, a woman whose own culture had rendered her an outcast. But, I mean, that's Jesus, isn't it? You, you, you can't take him anywhere because he's got really bad social instincts. He spends all his time talking to and eating with, hanging around the wrong people. I mean, he could have played it safe. You know, suck up to the religious bigwigs, make friends with the influential political high rollers, but instead he seeks out the last, the least, the lost, because he's not interested in establishing some kind of stable empire where everybody has to come and kiss his ring because he's so important. But instead, he drops any ambitions he might have had about being a big shot. He walks down the first dark alley he sees and starts having a theological discussion with the invisible folks everybody else would just as soon forget about. But when Jesus ventures down dark alleys looking for those who creep around the edges, he redefines the edges so that the margins are now set in the center. And it's the folks who usually occupy the center who risk finding themselves on the margins. Once again, Jesus turns the world on its head. The last shall be first, first shall be last. The one who wants to find life must first lose it, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. The one who wants to gain the world must first forfeit everything. But Jesus, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You, you, you have to make better choices. You, you, you need to put your money on a winner. Get a good return on your investment. Ride middle of the road. And Jesus says, well, you know, life's just much more interesting out there with the folks on the edge. You don't believe me? Well, just ask them. Ask those folks who, because society's told them repeatedly that they're not worth the effort, what it means for Jesus to go out of his way, to reach out a hand, to risk the bad opinion of the VIPs who occupy the center. Ask the forgotten people what, whether somebody finally willing to go looking for them, whether that means anything or not. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You start making bad choices like Jesus, and it's probably going to cost you time, your money, your reputation. Heck, it might even cost you your job or your family. Or God forbid your life. But there's a woman on what other people consider the wrong side of town down a dark alley standing by a well. She's waiting for someone finally after all these years to go out of their way to find her. But who knows? I've been around the block a few times and seen a lot of despair. Maybe, maybe she's waiting for you. Amen.
Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.